We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, Megan Gower here with another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. A little bit quieter of a week on the NCAA women's basketball front with finals at most schools and the holidays quickly approaching, but we've still got a fair bit to cover today. We're going to chat about kind of some of the new stuff going on on the site um, and also this weekend's games and a few other things. So this week, I'm here with Aaron Barsley. Hey, Aaron. I am doing well, Megan. How are you doing? It feels like it's been a while since we last chatted. Good. Yeah, it has been. It's been a while since you've been on, but glad to have you back on this week to yeah. talk about a bunch of different things. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel like I've been Wally Pipped, if you uh, get that <laughs> reference. I guess you're from Connecticut, so you might. I don't, but that's okay. <laughs> Are you serious? It's way before my time, so it's not just because I'm old. Um, you've never heard of Wally Pipped before? No. Jeez. He uh, is the guy, and I did not verify this before uh, coming on, but uh, he was the star... Yankees, I want to say first baseman, and then he um, okay. he got injured and replaced by Lou Gehrig, and sort of never got a starting spot back. So it's kind of a it's kind of a phrase for people that sort of uh, yeah get bumped off. So with all the great uh, the great uh, podcasts you've been uh, having, all the great guests who've had Calvin, uh, Ben was on. I'm trying to think, of Jen I think might have been on since I was on last. So lots of great folks, and uh, yeah, I just appreciate you squeezing me in. Yeah, of course. Glad to have you on this week. So yeah, lots of things to talk about. We wanted to start maybe with the site. I think we wanted to kind of chat about some of the new features that the site has kind of rolled out over the last few weeks in case people aren't aware of them or are interested in learning more about them. I think the first one that came out was the Lobos Look, which is kind of a comparison team by team comparison for each team's uh upcoming games which i at least have found very interesting <laughs> and very useful when i'm trying to write previews and that things of that nature kind of breaks down everything you need to know going into a matchup but kind of want to talk a little bit about that new feature 
Sure. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, I feel like I've been pretty busy kind of adding uh, features to the site. That's obviously probably the most exciting one uh, that we've done and something that I've been thinking about for a while. I actually uh, met with Rebecca, talked to her about, um, you know, what sorts of things might help her out. And we talked about this idea for having a, um, you know, originally we thought it started as a one pager kind of sheet, but we ended up uh, adding more than one page of PDF. But it's basically meant to be all the material organized, you know, in particular in the way that uh, she likes it so that she can then do her prep uh, before a game. And so theory is that if uh, you're looking at it the way that Rebecca Lobo does, uh, you know, then that'll be enough information for you as well. So it's pretty interesting. We tried a few different things, had a few things that I thought were maybe a little uh, fancier looking, perhaps too clever by half. I would say about half of our team liked having a little more, uh, uh charts in it but uh you know rebecca definitely said laying it out in a simple way you know where we can just check these different numbers and also have the context of you know not just how the team performed last year but the best and worst teams for last year to get a sense of what the range is uh really is kind of what makes it valuable so it's pretty easy for her to scan we shade it in green and red the same way we do for the site so the things that teams are really good at really bad at uh really jump out at you Definitely. I think having that year-to-year comparison has been really helpful for looking at it, too, just because you can, like, automatically tell if there's, like, a spot on the team's roster that things have changed just from looking at a lot of those comparisons. Like, if a team was crazy good on offense last year and all of a sudden there's a bunch of red this year, there's a pretty good indication that even if you don't know what changed, you probably go look at the rosters because something big must have happened. Well, now, now, we'll talk about Notre Dame a little later in the podcast, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. yeah, so and the other thing that we've changed for the site this year is now you can actually see the future schedule and we're going to start uh, doing a few more things uh, related to that, I think, over the course of the season. But as a result, the Lobos look is really easy to get at. So you look at the schedule, you can, you know, click on like Stanford's page, go to the schedule, see if they've got the big game or relatively big game uh, coming up against Ohio State this weekend. And, you know, links right there. And suddenly you've got a nice, uh, you know, PDF with all kinds of information for uh, kind of getting a handle on the game, which again, perfect for broadcasters, whether you're, you know, the big game on ESPN or, you know, broadcasters or, uh, radio or maybe ESPN three or some of the other kind of more conference-based uh, networks that are streaming only. So we're really hoping it's going to be a great resource for broadcasters, but then of course it's, you know, great for coaches, great for uh, the fans as well. So I know like, uh, Keith Gesswine has been using it a lot as he's been prepping, uh, for the, the Louisville games, um, the Bowling Green uh, announcer uh, recently subscribed, and I know he's been using it for his games. So, uh, like I said, it's it's fun to feel like it, you know it really encapsulates what we always say as our buzzwords, uh, our, our mission statement around unlocking better information and better insight about the women's game. I feel like it definitely does that. Yes, definitely agreed. Yeah, even as someone that writes previews occasionally and stuff, it's definitely super helpful helpful for that to try to kind of get an idea of kind of how the teams stack up and get started on where to look in terms of kind of weaknesses from both sides for upcoming games. So definitely been super useful for me as well. Great. Yeah, I definitely think that, uh, you know, we're trying to make it really become the the standard over time. So I'm sure it'll take a little while to get to that. But I figure if the folks at uh, ESPN and beyond are using it, then we're uh, well on our way. You know, one thing that's interesting is I wasn't quite sure how to lay it out out of the site, like really trying to make it distinct from our comparison tool that we had last year and making that a little clear that it's really about the resumes. And so it's a little more useful when you're kind of making the argument about, you know, which team should be ranked higher 
higher uh, relative to the other in like a top 25 or maybe if you're the selection committee or trying to make an argument to the selection committee, uh, you can use that kind of information to stack up the wins and losses. But that page we've made a little more focused on the resumes, right? And really all the detailed stats about the players, about the teams uh, are in Lobo's look. And then again, there's opportunities to expand that even further. I want to be careful we don't overdo it with information, but of course it doesn't have player... Uh, player information yet we've really just got the player pages the traditional player player pages on the website right definitely so yeah if you haven't checked that out yet make sure you do um it's great the lobos look so can you just find them on the team schedules down at the bottom of the team pages and then also the comparison tool which has been around since last year but if you haven't checked it out kind of a fun way to like look at how different teams stack up against each other in terms of who they played um, yeah, definitely when we start doing bracketology over at Her Hoop Stats, haven't started it yet, but I did some of it last year and that was a key part of trying to build that bracket. Indeed. I feel, of course, I want to make sure I say thanks to uh, Rebecca in particular, as well as the Her Hoop Stats team, but Rebecca provided just a ton of uh, suggestions and requests to really kind of make sure that we fit the uh, Lobo's look, hence the name, to uh, to her needs. And so I really appreciate the time she spent uh, and the support she's offered us uh, on this and really pretty much since we uh, we launched. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to Rebecca Lobo. So also new on the site this week, not totally a new feature and that it was there last year, but we just released the first kind of round of her hoop stats ratings uh, for the 2019-2020 season. Um, so they'll be updating continuously throughout the season now on, but those are out and ready to go now that there's been, you know, most teams have played upwards, you know, eight, 10 games. So there's definitely some data to go on. Yeah. It's on pretty crazy that like we're more than we're, we're sorry, we're on the order of like a quarter of the way through the season, depending on yeah. how time <laughs> yeah, flies. Definitely crazy. <laughs> But yeah, so those ratings are up. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of requests for uh, that early in the season. Um, you know, the ratings themselves, you know, we do the best we can. We know they're not perfect. I tried to be very clear on that when we uh, announced that we were bringing them back. They are single season ratings and we don't, this year we didn't do a, a preseason rating. So it didn't really make a ton of sense, uh, you know, to put the Her Hoop Stats rating out after, say, just two games. And even now it's still pretty volatile. I was uh, talking to Jen. We were like slacking over the weekend and we saw Princeton jump from like 42 to 29 uh, in the course of hours, right? Because there were a couple key wins and like their opponent's opponents or something like that. And so it is really volatile. Uh, and we can, we know it's not perfect. Uh, the classic story always tells like, we're not trying to match the AP bowl. Uh, that's really kind of what's interesting about the hard hoop stats rating is it gives you an opportunity to see like, this is what the numbers say. Um, we've also added the, what, you know, what I call the simple RPI, uh, it turns out, I don't know if you realize this, but the RPI formula weights away, the official RPI formula the NCAUs weights away and home games differently. There's like a 1.4 weighting on, I guess, away wins or something and a 0.6 on home wins or something like that. So uh, we're not actually doing that adjustment yet, just uh, for, uh, you know, it's a matter of kind of adding that feature in. We haven't had the time, but we do have the simple RPI, which is the traditional. I think it's one half your winning percentage, one half your opponent winning percentage, uh, average opponent winning percentage, and then one, sorry, one half your winning percentage, one quarter your winning, uh, your opponent's average winning percentage, and another quarter your average opponent's opponent's winning right. percentage. And so it's pretty similar, uh, as you might expect. And, you know, that those numbers also are pretty volatile early in the season as well. 
Yeah, definitely. Kind of as expected, a lot of movement going on. Teams still kind of jockeying around in the AP pool. Lots of movement, too. I think we saw a ton of movement this week based on kind of the last week of games. So to be expected early on as the data set's kind of small. But yeah, I'm sure those things will start to kind of set more in a closer place as the season goes on and we've got more data points to go on. Yeah, part of the reason it's been volatile, of course, is the results, right? I chuckled at uh, Jacob's uh, article about the top 25, uh, I guess it must have been last week, where, uh, you know, is it starting from scratch, right? Because so many crazy results had happened. Um, you know, I think it's just really exciting for the game, the idea that it's not just, uh, you know, the stereotype is UConn dominating uh, from start to finish, or even, you know, Oregon being the equivalent of a 2000, what, 16, 17 or 15, 16 uh, Golden State Warriors and just kind of being the obvious champion from start to finish. We've seen, you know, especially after they beat the the national team, we've seen they are, but it's possible to beat them. Definitely not a, a shoe-in for national champion, even though they are, of course, incredibly talented. So I think it's going to be an exciting season. But yeah, I think between that and just all these games that are going on, and we do uh, try to update the website regularly during the day as we're getting more results. So there's no doubt that, uh, you know, when you get a new win, which is one-tenth of your season on your 10th game, uh, it can change things a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think I definitely echo the point about it going to be an excited, exciting season. There, in my opinion, at least, isn't like a clear favorite team to win it all right now not a clear okay these are the four teams that are most likely barring something crazy going to the final four i don't think we have that at all right now yeah i mean even the yeah that's right i think it's going to be the elite eight is going to be amazing even really the sweet 16 there's going to be some great teams that don't make the elite eight there's no doubt that teams that are capable of winning the championship will not even advance to the elite eight yeah, definitely agree. And I think even like looking at just something last week, like the Louisville Ohio State game where Ohio State pulled off that update, like all of these teams at the top, the parity is, or the, I guess the difference between the, you know, the top and the next tier is smaller than it has been in the past. So all those teams are going to be more vulnerable come March to those early upsets, which we don't always see in the women's game as much, but I think we'll be seeing a lot more of them this year. Yeah, and it's a positive sign, really, for the, the right. strength and the depth of the game. And this is kind of what you want to see uh, exactly. over time. I know UConn fans would like to see UConn win a little <laughs> more often. And there's definitely a, you know, kind of conventional wisdom in, I think, the people that, uh, I don't know what they call it, the equivalent of game theory, league theory, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, team, you know uh, fans like to watch dynastic teams like UConn, like the Warriors have been the last five years in the NBA, so on and so forth, that the Patriots and the NFL, um, you know, that's good for ratings and whatnot. But I think it's also good to have the mix to make it uh, wide open. Yeah, definitely. Keeps everyone on their toes. Keeps things interesting. Yeah, you know, I think that um, a question that a few people have asked that I want to make sure I mention is around kind of how we make the Her Hoop Stats rating and, uh, you know, what are some of the differences. And really the key one is that Unlike uh, the RPI, which, as I mentioned, is really just based on wins and losses, so it's a binary, uh, her hoop stats rating is really uh, all about um, the margin of victory is really what's driving things. It's saying that, you know, if you win a game by 10 points, that that's stronger information than if you win a game by two points. Those are treated equally in uh, the RPI, but it really means something if you're 
killing teams uh, the way, you know, Baylor's margin of victory is ridiculous. You know, we could talk about their strength of schedule. And it's obviously getting better. But, um, you know, it means something if you can beat, uh, you know, the 200th ranked team or the 100th ranked team by 40 or 50 points in a game. And so uh, that's very different. And similarly, it also reflects the fact that if you win by two or lose by two, that's actually pretty similar uh, kind of performance in the grand scheme of things like obviously you won the game or you lost the game and that's what's important but it kind of signals that if you played a game you know a hundred times you know it's going to be fairly close to 50 50 uh if you eke out a two-point win and so i think that both of those things are what you know should theoretically make the herb that's rating a little bit stronger again recognize it's not perfect and would not uh, you know there's a reason that for the hoop feed top 25 ballot and I would encourage everybody to check out Hoop Feed and, and their ranking every year, every week, as well as the AP poll. That uh, you know, we're not just submitting the Hoop Stats rating, and that's why uh, we do think it's important to have human judgment and kind of think about what's going on, who's in, who's out, injuries, things. But it, nevertheless, it's good to have a consistent approach that's kind of purely numbers based, and then be able to factor that in and use that as an input as you're thinking about your personal rankings. Yeah, definitely. I think that makes sense. I mean, something true of every model, right? If there's, you know, you've got to have these outputs, but then you have to use judgment to figure out what, if the results (laughs) make sense and kind of um, add that in there. But uh, yeah, definitely a useful tool to kind of look at teams all across the board with a similar um, lens. And yeah, I definitely would echo your point too about how like losing by two and winning by two is really not all that different. It's kind of like, I think there's a stat, I think it actually factors into like the men's side that Ken Pop uses it for his like luck ratings. But it's like, I think any game that you like is finishes within like five points, you've like generally got like a 50% chance of winning it or losing it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. That's been shown very clearly in the NBA as well. That Mm -hmm. uh, teams that go like... 10 and 2 in the clutch or whatever, depending on how you define that, you know, next year they go the equivalent of 2 and 10. It's not really sustainable. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, always interesting to um, keep an eye on. But, yeah, I think so. I think we have Baylor and Oregon on the top right now of the Hoop Stats rating, which I mean, slightly different than the AP poll based on kind of the recent results, but I don't think anyone would be too surprised to kind of see those two teams on top. Um, both definitely strong teams so I think those aren't no real big questions there I think one thing that people might notice or jump out at people is that Stanford which is currently number one in the AP is down at 10 in our rating anything you wanted to add on kind of the reasoning behind that and I mean I can look at their thing and see that they're not killing teams so that's definitely a part of it um, but anything else you wanted to add there yeah, no, Stanford is an interesting uh, situation. I'm obviously pretty uh, biased there I, since I'm an alum. Uh, I can pretty clearly that's evidence that I'm not manipulating the model uh, for my favorite team or whatever. But uh, but yeah, no, what's, what's fascinating about them, I was looking at that before we uh, hopped on here just to make sure I could comment on it intelligently. So obviously they're 8-0, but uh, their margin of victory is... Uh, let me pull this back up here. Great radio. You know, they actually only rank 17th, interestingly, in margin of victory per possession. They're 13th per game, but they play at a slightly above average pace. So they're winning by about 32 points per 100 possessions. And then their average opponent's margin is really only, uh, you know, basically average as well. 
147. So if you think about who they win, I mean, who they've beaten, obviously they've got uh, that win against Gonzaga, which is uh, quite good, and Mississippi State uh, just the other day. Well, I guess that was a little while ago now. But um, so, yeah, because they've got this big break before they play Ohio State this week. But uh, so they've got those two good wins. But then, uh, you know, they only beat Cal Baptist 83 uh, 78, which is interesting. They did have a good win against Syracuse. That again, that Gonzaga game, it went, went to overtime. So it's basically, you know, at some level, a 50 50 coin flip. And so when you put all these, those things together this early in the season, they're still accumulating um, evidence. It's just interestingly not quite as compelling by the numbers as, you know, a team like Baylor, which is number one in margin of victory. Now, you could definitely argue that perhaps we are not accounting enough for the fact that their schedule is weaker and perhaps we should put more of a penalty on you know beating a team like i guess grambling by 74 points per probably not discounting that quite enough we definitely do discount it but uh maybe we need to do a little bit more so uh you know it'll be interesting to see but they did beat indiana right which is definitely in their favor and uh, they have that nice win against uh georgia as well so you know, I think they've got plenty of time to uh, show what they're doing. They're playing uh, Oklahoma and then UConn, so that's really early on going to be a key to their schedule. And then the Big 12 has, got a, has done pretty well in non-conference, so going to be plenty of opportunity for Baylor to prove uh, whether this uh, uh, our model is uh, close to correct on them. You know, the other thing that I would point out about it is Sanford's a little lower, but, you know, we talk as if like, whoa, Baylor's number one and, you know, UConn's number five and South Carolina's number six in their group stats rating, but they're all quite close. At the act, If you actually look at the rating itself, we're basically predicting how uh, many points per possession uh, they would win against an average team, uh, a team, you know, so it's like the 175th best team in division one so right now we think that's like uc davis uh ut martin lasalle uh mount st mary's george washington so you know uh oh yeah no, that's what we got there so uh, really that's what we're trying to predict and so if one team would beat him by 43 points another one would beat him by 44 points per 100 possessions i mean that's really not a significant difference even though if you have to you do have to rank them in order mm-hmm no, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I think another thing that stands out on Stanford is that part of what's dragging them down is definitely their, you know, their defense. You can see like, right off the bat, looking at their team page, that they're really strong in, you know, points per 100 possessions. They're six in the country in scoring, but they're allowing a lot more. Um, they're not so high up there in what they're allowing. So that's kind of one area for them that looks um like it's dragging them down for right now at least just like the defensive end versus the offensive end yeah Um, and and it's improved versus last year i think Mm -hmm. but uh well yeah at least on an unadjusted possessions uh unadjusted basis excuse me but uh you know obviously they've they're an incredibly talented team they're gonna have plenty of opportunities to prove it against some of the best teams in the country uh the pac-12 uh is uh you know off the charts this year so it is going to be a fun conference season definitely yeah quick pac-12 plug for anyone listening that next week we'll have a full kind of deep dive into the back 12 on the Unplugged podcast so if you're a Pac-12 fan or just really any fan because it's hard to not want to follow the Pac-12 this year definitely look be on the lookout for that next week yeah I'm excited for that one 
We might have to have a weekly Pac-12 update. <laughs> yeah, I know. You probably could. There's so much to talk about there. I think they've got right now in the AP poll, it's like three in the top five, four in the top ten, and then like six in the top 25. It's insane. There's just so much talent in the Pac-12. It's such a deep conference. But yeah, more on that next week. But Yeah, I mean, we have Arizona 13th in the Hoops Stats rating. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been really strong so far. I think they moved up a bit in the AP poll this week as well. So Great West Coast basketball. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be not great for my sleep schedule but on the East Coast, but that's okay. <laughs> well, are we allowed to? Uh, now, you said that, uh, you know, we, I know you got more podcasts coming, but are we allowed to reveal uh, a sense of your secure, undisclosed location next week? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I will be on the West Coast next week. I don't think there's too much basketball going on next week, so I won't be seeing that. But. Is there any <laughs> truth to the rumor you're going to be able to have uh, lunch uh, with Michaela Ongenmeyer? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> One of these days I'll make it out to a UCLA game this year. No, I am actually trying to get, to get out there in February. I think there's a weekend that UCLA plays uh, Oregon on Friday and Oregon State Monday. So, <laughs> I wonder if the UConn we'll fan, if you take her out to lunch, that that would be a, an NCAA violation on UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I don't know. NCAA is pretty strict. I would say I'm, <laughs> I'm taking my UCLA fandom to the next le- level. I bought a sweatshirt the other day. <laughs> Did you like, really? Right. Yeah, is it pretty a UCLA uh, fan? <laughs> oh yeah, growing up, I had a UCLA shirt or whatever. Is it the nice uh, powder blue and yellow? Is it yes, is it yes. subtle and classic, or is it kind of a little more? No, nah, it's not very subtle. It's like bright blue with like yellow trim. So, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Was it, <laughs> is it? Uh, sorry, did you say it was a sweatshirt or a? Yeah, it's a sweatshirt. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't have like her name on the back or your name on the no. back or anything. <laughs> No, it's not an onion wear jersey. I'll wait till she gets to the WNBA for that, but <laughs> let her actually get a cut of it. <laughs> Either that or wait until the name, image, and likeness uh, yeah, kick in, the then you can support her. <laughs> Whichever comes first. <laughs> yeah, that'll yeah. be good. So yeah, no, that's bummer, right? You probably have easy access to the Pac-12 network out there, and yet there aren't going to be a ton of games. Yeah, holiday week, but okay. yeah, I'll actually be in LA on Christmas, but I don't think anyone's playing on Christmas, so. <laughs> yeah, no, unaware of that, so, but that'll be fun, that'll be a good yeah. time, you'll be interested to hear, um, I haven't really, again, kept track of what some of these teams are doing over their break, right, we're also keyed into the Thanksgiving tournaments, but mm-hmm. um you know, it'll be interesting. Let's see what's going on here with some of these top teams. I think they're all, you know, it's pretty quiet time, right, for basketball. Yeah. Partially probably time. just because ESPN has so much football inventory they need to show. <laughs> yes. Partially that. And, yeah, just the holidays, I think. I mean, this week is generally quiet because everyone's – a lot of fa- schools are in finals week this week. So exams are going on. And then with the holidays, there's just kind of a couple of weeks, I think, like, it's just a lull, which gives everyone time to catch up on. All the basketball I'm sure people have missed between Thanksgiving and all the games that were this week. There's been so many games, so I'll definitely be using some of that time to try to catch up. Um, yeah, no, it's been a lull for watch. a lull for the teams and the players on the court. We've been quite busy. Um, mm-hmm. A couple other things I, I wanted to make sure we mentioned before we talk about how busy you've been uh, <laughs> is uh, hopefully people who are listening have been uh, following us on Twitter, Facebook, and know that we have a nice uh, giveaway. Uh, the very generous Debbie Antonelli has agreed to sponsor uh, five accounts uh, for people who subscribe this week. So if you're listening and you are not yet subscribed, I would strongly encourage you to do so. We're going to have people subscribing between uh, today's Monday, what, the 9th? 
and uh, whatever day today it is, but Monday through Friday. And then we're going to randomly select five uh, accounts that she's going to cover the cost for. And so we'll refund the uh, cost of your subscription or your renewal if you're a previous subscriber. Um, but uh, have a let it lapse for some uh, surprising reason, which I can't possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, encourage everybody listening to uh, sign up and subscribe. Of course, it you know really helps support our work, not just the stat site itself, but things like uh, the cost for the podcast and you know op- hopefully getting us to the point where um, you know we can really kind of make this uh, a sustainable endeavor for everybody on the team. So thanks again, Debbie. Incredibly, uh, it was a real surprise and incredibly generous. And I hope it's going to be win-win for the people that uh, get those free subscriptions. The other uh, exciting thing that's uh, happening for us this week, and again, like I said, it's been pretty busy, is we are launching the Her Hoops Hats newsletter. Uh, that is correct. It is time. Uh, it seems like the natural next step. You know, we've gone from, you know, really just starting out the stat site with a limited uh, presence on social. Then we expanded really uh, on the content side in particular to have much better uh, coverage in social media and uh, through our stories on Medium. And we added the podcast in the, um, I guess, the spring, sort of mm-hmm. around the start of the WNBA season. And so now it seems like the natural next step is to add the newsletter. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to be tweeting out about that um, tomorrow morning. But if you're listening, I'm not sure quite when we'll get a chance to uh, release this, Megan. That's definitely uh, up to you. But if we do get it out ahead of time and you are able to listen, and you can go to um, the uh, newsletter website, herhoopstats.substack.com. Substack, of course, is the leading provider of the infrastructure for newsletters. So again, it's herhoopstats.substack.com and sign up for our free newsletter to kind of keep up with the same kind of uh, information that we are providing uh, everywhere else. But you'll be, you know, really uh, among the first to get it and kind of get some stuff that we're not necessarily going to post elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. So for everyone that's listening, trying to keep track of all the exciting stuff going on. So we've got the new Lobos look on the website. We've got the new Her Hoop Stats readings for 2019-2020 are up. Newsletter launching this week and then the subscription. And so if you're really interested in the Lobos look and the um, ratings, that's definitely a good reason to get a subscription. Um, and yeah, by Friday, you've got a chance at Debbie Antonelli sponsoring your subscription which would be a great surprise. It's Friday the 13th, so maybe lucky Friday the 13th, I guess. If well, I don't know that we're going to rot. You have all day Friday to subscribe, so yes, we're probably yes, not so going to do the probably... random selection on That's the 13th so, yeah. I'm not looking <laughs> might forward not to doing that. that at, <laughs> I don't need to. You know, you're young and hip, so you could probably do it Saturday <laughs> at 12 or 1 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, me, not so much. Not so much. No. Fair, fair. But so, yeah, yeah, this yeah. weekend. But, so, like yeah. I said, it's been really busy, but it was a busy weekend for you. Um, I happen to know that uh, not only did you catch a hockey game, but then you spent mm-hmm. your uh, Sunday. That was a gamble, right, uh, for the big yep. UConn-Notre Dame game. Yes, so yeah, I was up in stores on Sunday um, for the big rivalry game, Um, so that was a lot of fun. If you guys aren't following us on social media, make sure you're doing that so you can kind of follow along with us while we're at these big games. We're trying to be more active on Instagram and on Twitter, so definitely make sure you're checking that out. Yeah, you did a great Um, job with that. I really enjoyed the video you filmed. How uh, how did that feel on your side? 
Like, I, I still feel awkward on camera. We're working on it. But <laughs> no, I don't, no, no. The it first time I great. did it, like at the WNBA finals, I think it took me like six takes to like feel like I didn't look ridiculous. So I think it only took like two takes on Sunday. So we're making progress. Yeah, everybody. Well, uh, my compliments to your producer, right? That's you, right? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seemed uh, it was excellent. And, uh, you know, at Hoops, as we're all about experimenting. And so I was really excited to have you do that. And I'm hoping we'll do more video content because my sense is people like it and you know if you do like it definitely send us uh, an email right podcast at herhoopsouts.com uh yes. for your feedback on really everything we're doing all the stuff you just mentioned uh, our coverage during games uh you know requests for things whether it's on the content side or the stats site uh definitely eager for your input yeah i definitely would echo that so the place was jumping when you got there. What was the energy like before tip off? Oh yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it was sold out. Everyone knew it was going to be sold out. I think the tickets honestly sold out. I think within like a couple of days of them putting them on sale. So how UConn does their tickets is they generally like they'll put single games on sale and then they have you know the premium games, which is your you know Notre Dame, Baylor, Oregon, the big ones, and um, they sold out the Notre Dame game. With, within I think 48 hours so the place was jumping when I got there it was still a little bit quiet I was there about like a couple hours before tip off like right after they had opened the doors but I will give a shout out to the UConn student section because the lower level of that was entirely full when I got there um wait so, how long I'm sorry how long early were you there uh close to two hours before tip off That's so it was just, like, just not, yeah <laughs> is that pretty um, typical for UConn not having ever been to a UConn game in person myself yeah so as someone that went as a student so students tickets are first come first serve so you get a student ticket but then where you sit is just based on when you show up so the the diehard fans will be there early people used to I don't know that people camp this year people used to camp out like night before it was like a big deal yeah, I was gonna um, say when do they open the doors two hours or more than that I think it's two hours. Um, Wait, what was the weather like? It was cold. It was freezing. <laughs> I don't think that people actually camped this year, but I that wouldn't be surprised if there was a few, you know, faithful students that camped out. Um, but yeah, so Kara Lawson didn't to- have to uh, camp out. I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But yeah, shout out to the students that were there bright and early to you know cheer on their Huskies. Um, but yeah, the crowd was crazy. It was so loud in the building the whole time, despite the fact that, I mean, after I think the first couple of minutes, UConn was up by 10. By the halftime, they were up by um, close to 30. And still, people were in their seats pretty much the whole game. Like, uh, there was, you know, a couple people that left early, but basically people stayed through to the end and it was loud all the way through the game. So it was a great environment. Um, I think the matchup wasn't as close as, you know, people are accustomed to. UConn Notre Dame being it wasn't as intense of a game, but the crowd was still great, which is always just a super fun environment to watch the game in. Yeah, no, it was crazy. I did enjoy Jen uh, noting that it was a palindrome score at halftime. <laughs> yes. uh, extra good for the UConn fans to write 52-25, so that's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm curious on your impressions. I guess the first thing I was wondering, interestingly, to me, well, my wife always hates it when I say things are interesting. She says well, she'll be the judge of that. But uh, <laughs> I was interested in your thoughts on Notre Dame. And I don't know why I was wondering this uh, when we were thinking about our podcast. But like, do you see any kind of analogy between what's going on with the Warriors and the NBA and Notre Dame? Sort of this great team 
having a rough year. Obviously, the injuries hurt as well as the uh, change in roster. But, you know, what did you see in Notre Dame? You've talked a little bit about them over the course of your expectations for the season. So I'm interested mm-hmm. here for the rest of this season because I think there was some question uh, maybe with Ben or no, it was with Calvin around, uh, you know, are they going to make the tournament? But then I'm also curious to think, hear your thoughts on like what they'll be like next year if you have any deep input and I did not prep you on that. So you can take (laughs) the fifth if you want. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I think them making the tournament is, yeah, it's a big question mark right now. They've had a really, really (laughs) tough strength of schedule to start the season for a relatively unexperienced roster. They've played, you know, I want to interject there. Sorry, because I was noticing this. We were talking about it. It's like, I believe it's really interesting about what their record would be if they'd played Tennessee's schedule so far this season. Yeah, exactly. Like Tennessee has played Notre Dame is probably like their one of their hardest games that they've played. Where I think Notre Dame has played a lot of teams that are better than Notre Dame right now. Um, so yeah, it's a rough start. I mean, to be going, you know, kind of into December five and six after this weekend, not great for the Irish, and they're gonna have a tough ACC slate. So trying to come out of that with enough wins to be an at-large bid in the tournament, definitely difficult. Um, definitely gonna be hard for them to do. Um, even with, I think that like none of these losses that they've had, I would say are like necessarily bad losses. Um, but well, just, one, this was not great. Uh, on yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, by a lot of points, but uh, just in general, but in terms of like teams that they've lost to, I wouldn't call it. Other than them getting, yeah, getting beat by thirty points is not good. But other than that, I don't think there's been any like bad losses. They've played tough teams. Um, I think there's a couple that surprised me, but I think a lot of them, even the mid-major ones, were really strong mid-majors. So, oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, we still have them 54th in the her hoop stats rating. They're like 66th yeah. in RPI, and again, in contrast, Tennessee's uh, in the hundreds. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's definitely. I think a lot. You know, if they were, we would. It would be interesting if they played a week schedule. They'd maybe have one or two losses, and we'd be like questioning what it's going to look like. I bet this is going to help them uh you know prepare for the conference season yeah and i mean in the post game press conference muffin mcgraw kind of called out that this team was just not ready for this you know strength of schedule that they had they obviously when this you know things are booked years in advance so when they they were booking the schedule they thought you know maybe we're gonna have jackie young back they're gonna have (laughs) transfers that they probably expected would be on the roster so they weren't expecting to be in this predicament that they're in right now with the transfers and the grad transfers coming in and this freshman and injuries and all that they've kind of sustained to start the season so gonna be tough for them to come back from it but I think it's just a really tough strength to schedule and hard for a relatively inexperienced team to keep up with I mean I think that's true for any team that's relying a lot on their freshmen like Notre Dame is right now it's you don't really know what you're going to get from freshmen when they come straight from high school to college. Sometimes it takes more time than you would like for them to adjust. So, and I think, you know, kind of Sam Brunel is a perfect example of that. She's Mm. someone that she was a top five recruit coming out of high school. She's going to be a great player when she finds her shot and gets adjusted. It's just taking probably longer than Notre Dame would have liked. Um, So yeah, they they keep saying, right. That she uh, won the three point shootout, right. And then a final tall American game. Yep. Yeah. I mean, she is a shootout. So she is actually, I think her game in a lot of ways reminds me a lot of like Katie Lucy Amundsen's at UConn. Like that's kind of the type of player she is. I mean, she's 6'4", but she's really a guard. She's a shooter. Mm. And 
when those shots start falling, Notre Dame's going to be a much better team than they look like right now. But seeing them in person, were you could you still pick up on some of that, or was you mostly just thought they looked overwhelmed by the talent of you guys? Um, no, I do think like it could pick up on it. I think a lot of what hurt them was just the fact that they couldn't hit shots from three and they couldn't hit shots from the mid range. Um, when they can figure out how to get those do it. shots to go down, they'll be fine. They were they I think outscored UConn in the paint, or if they didn't outscore them, they like only were like two points less in the paint than UConn was they were able to kind of have their way in the paint for a lot of the game um so without too much trouble so it's really just trying to figure out I don't know what they need to do to you know get those mid-range and the three-pointers to fall but and their free throws they were five of nine too yeah exactly so (laughs) just kind of all those things that you know add up slowly um yeah. yeah, you know, one I thing, the- you probably didn't hear this, but Holly Rowe, I think, said uh, right around tip-off that you could, like, definitely see the eyes of the Notre Dame players, and they saw how, like, raucous the crowd was. Uh, we're just kind of like, yeah. whoa, you know? <laughs> yeah, you probably didn't see that, right, because you were in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure it was an eye-opening experience. It must be the, you know, the rowdiest crowd they played against so far this season, so... Yeah, I would definitely say it probably was. So, yeah, definitely kind of different. And, if, you know, you don't have any of your returners that have played at UConn or have played at, you know, a Louisville or someplace where you get that kind of crowd environment. Um, so that definitely makes it harder, just like a shock factor of being in that kind of building. Yeah, I think they so. said the minutes were uh, the UConn players that played in the UConn-Notre Dame rivalry with like 430 minutes in the past for the season roster versus zero for Notre Dame. That was a yeah. ESPN stat, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, kind of crazy. So, yeah. So, in contrast to that, what do you think of uh, UConn? How much do you chalk up that performance? And what are you thinking about them for the season? You were saying a little, uh, I guess we were off air, as they say. Uh, you, as much as you would love to think that they are destined for a championship, you're not, uh, you know, 100% convinced. And, um, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I sort of thought the implication was perhaps the combination of how well they are playing, and they clearly are playing well, and the name UConn, people are maybe uh, giving them almost too much credit. Yeah, I mean, I would not be convinced that they're the number two team in the country right now. I think they're good. I don't know that they're the number two team in the country. Um, who do you think is? Or, I mean, who is your number one number two then? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, to me right now, putting Stanford at number one makes sense. Um, they haven't lost. They've played a couple tougher teams, and they're still like undefeated. Honestly, I think when Baylor gets Lauren Cox back, they're the top team in the country, no question. That's just my opinion. But Even head of Oregon, huh? Yeah. I think, I think Baylor people didn't give them enough credit maybe coming off the championship even though that kind of seems crazy to say like they just won a championship yes they lost Kalani Brown but I think Lauren Cox did a lot more for them inside than people realized last year Um, I think she maybe got overshadowed by Brown a little bit but I think they are just as good especially with that freshman class from last year now all sophomores now got a year of experience under their belt I think they're a really really strong team um I mean their loss to South Carolina basically just came down to you know, they got beat up in the paint by Aaliyah Boston. If you have Lauren Cox on the floor, does that happen? I would say probably not. Definitely um, reduces it. So I think they are probably the best team in the country with Cox on the floor. But yeah, I'd have Stanford up there. I'd have Oregon State up there. Even Oregon up there. I mean, they lost, yes, to Louisville, but you're playing three games in three days. Something that doesn't happen at any other point in the season. 
you're in the Bahamas. It's Thanksgiving. I don't know. Like, I don't yeah, not Oregon, get up to all that much. They haven't Still peaked yet, right? In terms of how losses go, so. Yeah, they haven't peaked yet, right? I don't think Oregon has. Yeah, or, right? I mean, it's a exactly. level. All of this is, uh, you know, in a season like it seems like we're having. It's not really about who the best team is in December, right? Really, it's about who's the best team in uh, March and in April. So, uh, you know, it makes that what I, I always think about that in terms of, you know, one of my experiences. I was with the uh, Memphis Grizzlies when they went on their crazy run to the conference finals. I forget what year that was. It must have been. 2012 no 2011 something like that but really what happened was uh zach randolph for the memphis grizzlies uh who's quite a character he just was unconscious and could not miss a shot for like basically about two or three weeks and really you know that's what it takes uh you know especially in a one you know winner takes all kind of tournament you know it's much less about you know, necessarily having the best resume the best performances of course of the season if someone's off their game or really on their game uh, in an incredible way you know that can take you really really far yeah and UConn definitely has the players on their roster that year that can do this um they're this year that can do that I mean Megan Walker has just been incredible for them I won't like you know discount her performance against Notre Dame at all just because their Notre Dame isn't the team that they are but she's just been night in and night out I think for UConn she's playing like an all-American I've been saying that since I don't know probably the second or third game of the season which maybe it was a bold statement back then I don't think it's a bold statement anymore I think you know pretty much everyone would agree that she's playing like one of the top players in the country right now um she's been fantastic for UConn I do think Honestly, someone that was at like the first game of the season for UConn and then was at this game on Sunday, like they've definitely made leaps and bounds of strides already just from, you know, the first week of November to the first week of December. So I wouldn't be concerned if I'm a UConn, if you're a UConn fan. I think they're still part of this, you know, elite tier or whatever you want to call it, the kind of top 10, top 11, however many teams you want to say is in that group right now. But I think they're still a member of that group. And yeah, I don't know that right now they're the, the second best team in the country. Could they be the second best team in the country come March? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think they look good and they're getting better every game, which is important. Yeah. No, Megan Walker's playing really well. At the same time, you know, her counting stats or per game stats are definitely benefiting from the fact that she's averaging 37.2 minutes a game yes, uh, against Division I uh, opponents. So uh, that's 27th in the country. I was just looking it up, top 1%. And so as a result, you know, her efficiency and her usage, they're good. Um, both of those are top 10%, uh, I mm-hmm. believe, but, uh, you know, not really off the charts. And, um, you know, similarly, some of her like rebounding stats, she's actually 20th in the country with 7.8 defensive uh, rebounding per game, but her, her offensive and defensive rebounding rates are, or defensive rebound rates. Okay. But not great. So she's definitely benefiting, you know, the classic case of, you know, getting a lot of minutes and yeah, I wouldn't call it padding your stats, but, uh, it definitely gives you a chance to rack up, uh, some stats that some other mm-hmm. players might not be getting. True. Yep. Definitely. Um, but I do think she still leaps and bounds ahead of where she was last year, which is exactly what UConn needs her to be doing. Um, and then they also have, you know, in the paint, Olivia Nelson and Dota, I think for them has just been really, really strong. Um, yeah, she just jumps out at you. Uh, Calvin yeah, exactly. did that. You know, I really enjoyed the video that Calvin uh, was putting together on everybody 
uh, ahead of the game. And uh, yeah, she's just, uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what she can do this season. Uh, or, yeah. Know, the season progresses, I guess is really the right way to say it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Gino had a kind of great quote yesterday about it, just talking about how she doesn't have that like killer mentality and how, you know, basically he was saying yesterday, like there wasn't a player in the building that could have guarded her yesterday, just the way she's skilled and her size. Um, but she just like, she's not going to put up 40 because she just doesn't have that mentality. And if she can find that mentality, I think it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like. Um, yeah. But I think that's one of those things that's hard to coach. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I was just looking at her st- there. stats. She's uh, sixth in the country in uh, block rate. She's blocking basically thir- a little more than 13%. So it's a little more than one in eight of opponent uh, two-point attempts when she's on the floor. And she's also like uh, in basically the top 3% of the country in offensive rebounding rate. So definitely yep. a force on the interior. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um someone that most teams are going to struggle to guard. So it will definitely be a huge asset for the um, UConn kind of going forward. Yeah, it's, it's something that a UConn roster has kind of lacked for a few seasons now is some like real size, and she kind of adds that for them. Yeah, I guess she's not really that efficient, though, uh, from the field, though. She's only shooting yeah. 44%, and, uh, you know, I think she has – has she taken a three – I guess she must yeah, have taken a three at some point. Taken a couple. <laughs> yeah, half a half a three. Quite sure why? <laughs> yeah, she's taken four. I guess so. Um, so, but yeah, right. So, I mean, someone like that, you'd like to see her because uh, she's taken a relatively high, not incredibly, but uh, you know, she's definitely not shooting rarely. She's shooting plenty, mm-hmm. and so um, if she can score a little more efficiently, uh, as you would hope, then look mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Exactly. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how they progress throughout the season. Um, I mean, like I was saying, they've already come like, I think, leaps and bounds from watching the first game. When you say that, what do you mean by that? Do you think they're more comfortable playing together? Or like in particular, when they, what are some of those leaps? Yeah, I think when they played Cal in their season opener, the offense was just, it was like, what is going on? Like, it didn't look like UConn offense at all. I mean, I think people are accustomed to, like, you know, the UConn offense that's, you know, nine passes and then a shot, and then it goes in the hoop every time it feels like, um, and that was not at all the case in their opener. And I think a lot of the games that we saw kind of at the very beginning of the season, um, but I do think that the offense is looking better every game. It's kind of more in its typical UConn flow um their shots are they're getting the shots that they want in the rhythm of their offense which is making a world of difference on the offensive end I think there's still a lot of strides to be made on the defensive end um but I mean if you've ever been in a post-game conference with Gino Gino will never be happy with their defense so I'm sure they'll be continuing to working on that going throughout the seasons so. yeah well their next game right against DePaul which I think is yeah. probably their biggest challenge of the season so far yes so, yeah um, so that'll be exciting because I haven't looked that far ahead um is that game on ESPN I'm not sure to be honest. It's leave it's next weekend. Maybe it's on Fox. We'll have to check. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or it might be on uh, ESPN three. A lot of the UConn games are on ESPN three or SNY and Connecticut. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I do so. get SNY. I'm that's a benefit. No Pac twelve for me, but uh, <laughs> I do get SNY. Yeah. So, but that yeah should definitely be a good one. Definitely the toughest test that UConn won't face so far. So it'll be interesting to see kind of. Um, how they fare in that, and it's on the road as well, so kind of a little added toughness there. 
Um, but they do have a week off to prepare being it's finals week. Um, is it finals week? Do you know when the finals yeah, end? Yeah, it actually is finals week at UConn this week. Uh, but do you know so, when yeah. they end? Uh, probably f- Saturday, usually, is how it kind of works. So I'm sure they're, they're, none of their players are taking finals on Saturday when they've got to be in Chicago for a game on Sunday. So. Oh, I don't know, right? You always see uh, – yeah, I know like Stanford – um, because of they're on the trimester system, right? Where they've got, instead of having two semesters, mm-hmm. they have three. So very often players are, um, taking finals and off days during the tournament. So I think it's possible get the proctor yeah. going, get a free trip to uh beautiful downtown <laughs> Chicago in December when everybody wants to be there. <laughs> yeah. The best time of year. I guess at least it's not like January or February. It could be worse, but <laughs> maybe they have papers to write instead of finals. Yeah. Yeah, depends you know, what you're majoring and all, but yeah, so yep. yeah, that'll be coming up on, I believe, Sunday. So it's a no, I think one. that game's actually on Monday. Oh, Maybe, it is on Monday. Right, that makes sense why it's not on games of the week. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's quite weak as you said with finals, uh, but we do have our games to watch out. Uh, our games to watch out <laughs> don't not games to watch out for uh that marissa put together uh wonderfully so you can keep track and actually still need to add them to our calendar but that we do have that public calendar that people can subscribe to um which i at least find uh useful when i'm keeping it up to date um and so we're trying to put in links to the teams and and lobo's looks and things like that um but yeah the big the, the best game i think this weekend is what louisville kentucky is sunday on uh the big channel yeah big espn uh, one o'clock i think Eastern, yeah. one Eastern, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. No yeah, East- I think that'll... <laughs> no East Coast bias. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be the best game as well. Um, you know, ranked versus ranked. Is seven, number seven, Louisville. Number 14, Kentucky. I don't think it'll be interesting to see kind of how Louisville... I mean, they've played a game since that loss to Ohio State. I think it was like Eastern Kentucky, Western Kentucky. I forget what school it was. Um, but it'll be interesting to see kind of how they fare against a tougher opponent after, you know beating Oregon and then following that up with a loss at Ohio State. What's next for them? Now, will you be in Los Angeles uh, to watch that game uh, at 10 uh, in the morning? Or will you uh, not <laughs> no, have I'll still be then? home on Sunday. So okay. It will not be the yeah. balmy climbs of uh, <laughs> Malibu or wherever you're staying. No, <laughs> not until <laughs> Tuesday, but can't come soon enough. I'm done with the snow and nonsense and Connecticut, so yeah, we had a lot. Hopefully, I don't think there's any background noise, but we definitely got a storm coming through here today that I can hear uh, on my roof just raining. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we've avoided uh, we had a little bit of snow, but not too much, uh, whatever that storm <laughs> was. And um, yeah, I didn't really hear any, you know, for all the WNBA travel stories we got over the summer, I didn't really hear about any college teams having trouble with the snowstorms last week. Did you, but did our over Thanksgiving, did, you, did I miss that and they were having them, or were there yeah, not a lot of reports? I didn't really hear anything either, which is interesting because, yeah, kind of coming home that Sunday was when that snowstorm hit. So um, definitely interesting that we didn't hear about it too much. But I guess teams were kind of going all over the country. I'm just thinking about what the weather was in the East Coast. So <laughs> um, maybe they just didn't overlap with issues too much. Indeed. Indeed. So yeah, it should be uh, good to see some good games uh, this weekend. And like you said, uh, on Monday, that UConn DePaul game, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that. So um, it's getting a little late, so I think we should probably wrap it up. I will say we've been plugging a lot of things, but I really want to encourage folks, probably should have mentioned this earlier, um, but I was really uh, thought that Lindsay gives power plays uh, gift guide that she uh, published. I guess it must have been late last week. Uh, I know we retweeted it this week, but it has a lot of great 
uh, places that people that want to support women in sports, as she said, um, you know, things that I would bet that many of our listeners would be interested. So I'd strongly encourage you to, uh, to take a look at that and see if there's anything there that, uh, you know, if you might want to be both partake in and really support the people that are creating it and putting in all the time and effort. Uh, in addition to, of course, uh, helping us out, uh, by, uh, you know, doing things like reading and review this podcast, all the great work making you've been doing, hosting it, for instance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, make sure you guys are reading, subscribing, reviewing all of those things, wherever you listen. It's super important. It helps people find us, helps us know you're listening. So definitely make sure you're doing all those things. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It helps us also reading and reviewing definitely helps uh, spread the word about the podcast itself. So um, I was thinking it'd be a good opportunity to read a review uh, from uh, Ryan Tomage. He said, so far, so good. He says, if you're a Her Hoops, da- Her Hoops fan, this is a must listen. So there you go. You uh, and John, John Little, uh, who has been uh, working on getting some other great uh, interviews coming up soon, must listen. Yeah. Has, has anyone ever said that about you before, Megan? No, I don't think so. But. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, there you Thanks, go. Ryan. There you go. So, uh, great. So, yeah, no, it's good to catch up, Megan. Uh, always good to uh, be on the podcast. Like I said, I appreciate you having me on. I missed uh, listening uh, to the sound of my voice. So, <laughs> do you go back and listen to these afterwards, uh, start to finish? I mean, I know you have to do a little post production um, editing. Yeah, when I'm editing, I'll like listen mostly just in clips. I don't, I don't think I've ever listened to it. Well, I feel weird listening to my own voice. For that yeah, long, so. so do I. So do I. So uh, I mean, I think it's probably something that we should probably do more of. I do listen a little bit just to, you know, get a sense of how it went. But yeah, I can't listen yeah. to myself ramble for forty five yeah, minutes. Exactly. Should be really kind Especially of taking when I notes. Know what I said. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to you know start keeping stats on how many times you and I say definitely. But, uh, yep. uh, so we can chart that uh, coming down. Oh, so do I. But, uh, but yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> As do I, though. I want to be clear. So, uh, but yeah, no. So thanks a lot. I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy. The, I probably won't talk to folks on the podcast before the new year. So I will definitely say enjoy the holidays, whatever you're celebrating. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron, for joining me. Mm-hmm.